Hello, everyone. Welcome to Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that's the rule, not the exception. Today's episode is simple for me. I want to talk about why I was grateful for, why I am grateful for the leadership opportunities I was given, both in the Coast Guard and in other, other parts of my life that didn't involve military service. A lot, of, a lot of good came from being in leadership roles. I learned a lot. I was able to grow personally and professionally and make a lot of human relationships that would have never been possible had I not been afforded the opportunity to lead other human beings. So today's episode is simple. I'm going to talk about six things on that list for me, why I was grateful. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Leadosophy. We're talking about being grateful for leadership roles, why I'm grateful, particularly this episode is about. As I reflect, as I reflected on this episode and I was kind of jotting down some notes, I realized that nothing on my list, my, my six points that I'll make today, nothing on my list actually drew me into a leadership role. I didn't even really know I wanted to be a leader. Again, I've, I've had this conversation with my buddy Kevin on one of the episodes where we didn't even realize we were in leadership roles. It was just leadership was never really talked about. We didn't have any formal leadership training. We were just thrust into our leadership roles based on our competence, our technical competence in search and rescue and boat driving. And by nature, that put us in positions to lead a group of people, to achieve goals, to go out and achieve missions. We were just in those roles naturally by our, by our skill sets. I think of my leadership role or being in a leadership role, it's kind of like the you may have heard the frog in boiling water analogy. So the premise of the frog in boiling water is simple. If there's a pot of boiling water and you put a frog in the pot of boiling, wa- boiling water, the frog's going to jump out automatically. It's just not going to stay in there. But if you put the frog in a pot of just mild water and slowly turn up the temperature, the theory is the frog stays in and gets boiled alive. I think of leadership roles... That was the water for me. That was the mild water. I was placed in that water. I didn't know it was going to start boiling. And that's my analogy. I don't know if it works. But I was in that pot of water for a long time before I even realized I was in a boiling pot of water or in a leadership role. So kind of a funny analogy for me. That's what I thought of. How many people have been placed in leadership roles, but you never expected it? or you were in a leadership role and didn't even realize it. And that was me. So I never really pondered early on what it meant to, to be a leader. And I never realized the impact that I was having in real time in the, in the early stages of my career. So now I get a chance to kind of reflect. And hopefully by reflecting on some things that I'm grateful for about leadership, it'll, it'll kind of deepen the understanding of leadership, maybe what it is, what it is not, what it looks like in practice, because these are all my experiences. Again, law of unique experiences, we're all, we all have our unique character traits within the leadership role. We have our unique skill sets that make us effective or not effective, whatever you define effectiveness as. 
So the first thing I want to talk about is, is being an introvert. Leadership is for extroverts and introverts. There's no, there's some studies about who's more effective as far as introverts as leaders and extroverts as leaders. But I think across the spectrum of leadership roles, different industries, different organizations, you're going to find a, a wide mix of introverts and extroverts. Me personally, I was an introvert, meaning, you know, introversion where I, I am, I am drained in energy by human interaction. Not that human interaction is bad. It's just over time, the more people I'm interacting with, my energy level starts draining. So leadership forced me to get out of that cocoon early in my career in the Coast Guard. And I think as I got more experience in leadership roles, I was able to embrace the introversion side, but also maybe put on that mask that I was like an extrovert. And I think you have to kind of wear both masks a little bit. The higher you go in leadership roles, the more people you're in, interacting with. You have to kind of flow flow more into the extroversion side if you're an introvert. If you're an extrovert, I don't know if you have to move to the introversion side. I don't know if that applies to you. And again, I've, I mentioned this before on another show. Simon Sinek has a great metaphor for introversion and extroversion. The introverts wake up every morning and they have five coins. In every human interaction or groups of human interactions, they have to give a coin away. Where extroverts wake up in the morning with no coins and then every human interaction or they draw their energy from people, they get coins the more they interact with people. And I really love that, that metaphor for introversion and extroversion. So I woke up my career in leadership roles with coins, had to give them away as, as I moved through the day, through the weeks or whatever in a leadership role. What I am also grateful for about my leadership opportunities is I learned the value of group intelligence. And I believe that if a group or a team or a unit or an organization is not smarter collectively than any of its one individual members, then the group or the team or the whatever is doing something wrong. No matter how smart individuals are on your team or within your organization, collectively, you should be far smarter. And this goes into, you know, on the, on the contra side, you know, groupthink, I think is one of those scenarios or one of those instances where sometimes the group is not more collectively intelligent together. They get in that mindset and they make, they want to make the same decision because it's popular or they don't want to go against the grain. So I think groupthink is a good example of countering that collective intelligence. I watched, my wife and I watched a Netflix series. I think it was a Netflix show a couple months ago on the Challenger explosion. And if you want to watch a, a classic textbook example of, of groupthink come to fruition leading up to the Challenger, highly encourage you to check that out. There was definitely some people in that, in the, in the room making decisions about why the Challenger shouldn't have lifted off the, the morning of the disaster, but they were just dismissed at the end of the day. So highly encourage you to check out that Netflix uh, show on, on the Challenger. So point number three on why I'm grateful or why I was grateful for being a leader, achieving collective goals, putting aside even briefly the individual goals, wants, and needs to achieve something collective, which is easier said than done sometimes. Ideally, leaders and followers 
want to be able to achieve personal goals in the pursuit of the public ones, but it's not always the case. More often than not, it's not the case. So that was always, it was a challenge, but it was a fun challenge. It was a fun challenge to try to take some of the personal goals, achieve them if you can, but more often than not, often putting aside a lot of personal goals, desires to achieve something as a group or as a team. That was, that was a lot of fun. I'm grateful for those experiences. I'm also grateful because leadership forced me to put the needs of others ahead of my own. And that's not always easy to do. It forced me to put the needs of the organization, the needs of my bosses ahead of my own. And this happens daily in leadership. If you're in a leadership role, you will, you have, you know more than anyone that you have to constantly put the needs of others, your bosses, all these demands ahead of, of what you want to do personally. This is kind of the process of, of giving more than taking. And I've talked about this on another show as well. If you're in a leadership role, it's good to be in a habit of trying to give more than you take. And I always wonder, the higher you go or the higher you ascend in leadership roles, the more people within your sphere of influence. Is it true that you have to give more or you should look to give more the higher you go, the higher you ascend? I don't know. That's a question that, that I've pondered. Maybe you'll ponder it as well. So moving on to point number five of why I am grateful for my leadership opportunities, mentoring and coaching. I don't know if they're synonymous with leadership. You may have your own thoughts on this. I go back and forth. I believe there's definitely some, some overlap between mentoring, coaching, leading. I think, they, I think mentoring, coaching absorb leadership or, or leadership absorbs mentoring and coaching. I don't know if you can separate those concepts. Here's a thought experiment. Think about a great coach or a great mentor. You, you, someone you would call a great coach or a great mentor in your life. If, they were a, if you would label them as a great coach or a great mentor, would you also label them as a great leader? Would the qualities that led you to call them a great coach, would they equally apply to the reasons that you would say they were a good leader? And again, we're trying to deepen our understanding of leadership here. If, you, if the same reasons apply, then maybe there's not a lot of difference between coaching and leading. And again, I, I think the thought experiment is thinking about a coach you've had or just a mentor, someone you would call a mentor. Did they lead you as well? Is it one and the same? I love to teach. I love to coach. I love to bring others into my, my circle of competence. I'm reading a book right now on mental models. And they talk about the circle of competence. We all have our, our circle of competence. And that circle of competence is usually way smaller than we think it is. But it's awesome seeing people move through the competency levels. The hierarchy of competence is what it's called in psychology. You start with unconscious incompetence. We don't know what we don't know. Or we're doing something wrong and we don't know we're doing something wrong. And we've, maybe you've been in a position to, to mentor someone who they're doing something what they're not supposed to, but they don't know they're doing it the wrong way. And then coaching them through unconscious incompetence, through conscious incompetence 
to conscious competence where they now know they're doing something right all the way through to conscious, unconscious incompetence or conscious, unconscious competence is the final stage. Sorry, I butchered that. I apologize. You start doing something the correct way, effortlessly, subconsciously, you don't even have to think about it. So coaching through people, coaching people through those stages of, of competencies, it was always a good time. And really hard to get to unconscious competence, the highest level. It's really difficult to get to that point. And I, I feel that if you think it's your, you're at that point, maybe you should, we should wonder if, okay, have we gotten too comfortable, too complacent? We should always try to stay sharp, hone our skills. And again, widening our circle of competence also means you're not forcing your knowledge onto others. Your teaching is a give and take exercise. Coaching is a give and take. It's keeping the mind open to learn from others. And if we're going to widen our own circle of competence through our followers, we're taking ideas they have with an open mind and we're increasing our own knowledge and we're co-creating knowledge, which I think is a good time. And the final point, number six, of why I'm grateful for being a leader was molding leaders, watching others grow into leadership roles inside and outside, like the Coast Guard when I was in the Coast Guard, for example. Potential leaders, I feel, if they're in your sphere of influence, if you can influence them, you have to give them autonomy, ownership, and accountability. They have to feel those those three things. They have to feel what it means to have ownership of a decision and being accountable for that decision or the actions they take as a, as a leader, a potential leader, future leader. You have to put them in the position to have that. Again, they have to have that raw, unfiltered experience. You can be there by, the, be there by, the, by their side, but you have to let them try to make some decisions and put them in a position to potentially fail. And they may fail. I guess the goal, your role as a leader is to uh, soften the landing a little bit. But again, driving decisions down as much as possible, I think is critical if you are a leader. But remain close by. You have to let people know that you support their decisions. If you're going to allow them to make decisions, you have to support them. But if you think they're going to fail, you have to be able to say, hey, that's probably not going to work. This is why. I've tried this. I've tried that. If you do this, this might be some of the unintended consequences that you're not looking at making sure they have all the available information to make their decisions and make sure they're asking relevant questions. I think you have to do that as a leader. So there you go. Those were my six points of why I was grateful for my leadership roles. And I, I think by reflecting on, on the gratitude of leadership, I think it kind of helps me understand a little more what leadership meant to me individually as a person. And like I said, this is everyone's list may look different of what you're grateful for. If you're in a current leadership role, what are you grateful for? What do you get from it? What joy does it bring you? I think reflecting on that will help you deepen your own understanding of leadership. How are you better now than you were before you had the responsibility of leading other humans? How has leadership made you a better person? Is kind of maybe a final question you can take away from this episode. Thanks for watching Leadosophy today. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life, and of life. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on the next episode. I'm going to talk about the grind work of leadership. It's going to be kind of a follow-on in this episode. Not so much what I didn't like about leadership, but what makes it a grind. 
and we'll, we'll kind of wrap this episode up with the next one. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.